Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail. So that way you can say, does this apply to me? And how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, welcome there as well. Today, we're going to be going through one of the biggest questions we get. How much should I have in an emergency fund? We get this from students and new grads that are just starting off. We also get this question from people that are 5, 10, 15 years out because they might think they have too little an emergency fund, too much an emergency fund. It's not efficient. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is that topic. Now, before we dive in, as always, if you're on the podcast, be sure to subscribe so that way you're notified when new episodes come out. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe and turn on the notification bell so that way you're notified when new videos come out. Share this stuff with your friends because this will help you and them. It also helps us grow, so it's a win-win for everybody. So I just want to start off saying thank you for doing that. Um, Emergency fund, why is this so important? Uh, One, if you have too little of it, um, your financial plan is at a major risk. Uh, second, it, it's even a bigger problem for some people is they have too much of an emergency fund um, and their money's not working hard enough for them. Okay, so that's why this podcast is important for each one of you guys to listen to is to make sure that your money is doing everything it can for you, but also that your financial plan has lower risk. And those of you that, that watch our videos and our podcast uh, often, you'll hear me say this all the time, right? Manage your risk and your return will be there. That's one of the things that the emergency fund does is help you manage your risk, okay? Uh, first off, where do I wanna start? How do I define an emergency fund, okay? Because everybody kind of has this little different definition, okay? Um, basically, it's having money in a liquid account. Typically, we think about that as like a bank account, so like checking, savings, money market accounts, CDs through banks. So those types of things that cover your expenses for a certain period of time, okay? Now, time is most associated when we talk about emergency funds with with months, okay? So a lot of cookie cutter types of of things out there are like, oh, you should have six months of expenses. What that means is like, if you have $2,000 of expenses each month, then you should have, multiply that by six, so you should have $12,000 in like checkings and savings and that type of stuff, okay? That cookie cutter approach doesn't work, and that's part of what I'm gonna explain to you on this podcast is that, It needs to be a little bit more in depth than just a random number of six or three or nine. There needs to be meaning behind that number. Um, And by the way, guys, I'm going through all this with you guys today, like so that way you understand. Um, Those of you that are Fitbucks members, we actually have a tool on our on our uh, premium memberships that will tell you, like based on your profile, this is how many months we recommend. Okay, and and I'm going to touch on that again in a few minutes. How much recommended? Um, so, but you need to know the inputs going into that. Okay. Now, the second thing I want to talk about is those inputs. I mentioned expenses. Okay. Like what expenses are we even talking about? And this is a, another major mistake that people make. They, they put in 
everything. So they do like their little budget out. We call it day-to-day expenses or money for future self and debt, um, risk management with insurance premiums and everything. They literally take all their expenses and then, then they multiply that by some number. You don't do that for an emergency fund, okay? An emergency fund is for one purpose, to make sure you have enough money that you have a roof over your head, you have food to eat, you have electricity, you have water, and especially like if you live in the north and it's cold, that you have heat. That's really all it's for, those five things. So expenses like you know gas and car payments, no. Like I don't include any of those in an emergency fund, okay? Now, those are the only expenses we look at. We don't include anything in debt either in part of that, okay? Because debt, you always have different options you can do like bankruptcy and everything else to get out of, okay? There's one exception to that. I said that your emergency fund should incorporate expenses for having a roof over your head. So if you own a house, then you would want to also incorporate the housing expense into that. So that includes your mortgage debt, your property tax, your insurances. So that way you can keep your house and keep the roof over your head, okay? So that is, I do include that in the emergency fund. So again, it's your day-to-day expenses that you need for food and shelter stuff, okay? And then also if you own your house, that's the shelter over your head. So therefore you have that in your emergency fund as well. Now. Why is the emergency fund so important? Okay, so before I go into some of these factors that determine how much you have, I just want to stress on this. There's three big reasons why the emergency fund is so important. First of all, it reduces your stress, right? Like making sure that you have money in the bank. That's like, you know, just the stress of not having to worry about paycheck to paycheck and all this type of stuff. That's the biggest reason, okay? Uh, the second reason is with your investments. So it's it's managing risk in your financial plan, meaning this. Um, and this has two impacts. One is like when you have 401ks and Roth IRAs and taxable investments, all these different things. If you have an emergency, oftentimes that emergency, like one of the biggest reasons is like job loss. Like that's when you're going to need money. And if you're getting laid off, the bulk of people get laid off in recessions. In the bulk of recessions, the stock market goes down. So if you're invested in those things, and then you get laid off and you need to liquidate them, you're selling at the worst time, okay? So having an emergency fund allows you to keep your investments and, and ride those waves out. The second part of the investments is that because you've managed your risk to your overall financial plan, you can actually invest more aggressively. You have a higher ability to invest aggressively. Um, and that's one of the things like our hybrid robo-advisor picks up. Those of you, again, that have watched our podcast, you've heard me talk about or hybrid robo-advisor that looks at the ability for you to be able to take risk. Having that emergency fund allows you to take more risk with your investments if you want to, okay? So that's the first reason, stress as well as investments. The third part is that you should be looking at all your money as part of your portfolio. So a lot of people look at like the cash portion like of their emergency fund, and then they look at their investments separately. It's all part of one big thing. And so again, when you look at it as part of your portfolio, why is that so important? Is because then you can mix and match allocations. And I'm gonna talk about that coming up here in, in a few minutes. And we're gonna deep dive into that because that's a, an important conversation. Okay, now on to the, the, the bread and butter of what we're talking about. What factors go into the size of your emergency fund? Okay. The, the biggest one, 
is human capital. Okay, so those of you that don't know what human capital is, it's a projection of your income, but more importantly, it's the risk to your income. So again, those of you that, that have your Fitbox membership and you built your profile, we call this, like when you first built your profile, the human capital, the behavior stuff, we're looking at a number of different things, like everywhere from your education to have you run in marathons before, because that helps predict your risk to your income. How does it apply to the emergency fund? So when you have risky income, you need a larger amount of emergency fund. If your income's non-risky, then you need less emergency fund. Give you some examples of this, right? Uh, let's just say healthcare, I'll dive into, because I know a lot of PTs, OTs, uh, SLPs, PAs, NPs listen to this podcast, okay? Very stable income. Like PTs, for example, have like less than 1% unemployment. So very stable income, low unemployment, low risk. So all else equal, you would technically need a lower emergency fund relative to somebody that's like a real estate agent, right? They get all commission for their income. And if there's a downturn like we had last year, they don't make any money at all. Okay, so they need a much larger emergency fund. Okay, people like being self-employed. Like when you have your own business and you're like a, like a small business, you need more of an emergency fund because that revenue might tank during an economic downturn. So that's the, the first biggest factor is what is the characteristic of your income? The second one, and this one, I can't, it's simple, but I can't state it enough, okay? At the end of the day, I said one of the biggest things about the emergency fund is reducing your stress. That's one of the most important things to me. Like if you guys have listened to like our financial freedom webinar, we talk about doing this stuff to reduce stress as much as you can, right? Do it what makes you feel comfortable. So like we all the time, you know, we might talk to a PT again, stable income, and our automated uh, recommendation might come out to three months. Now people tell me all the time, but I feel more comfortable with nine months. Do that then. If that's what makes you feel more comfortable, that's the number one thing. Reduce the stress in your life. Do that. So those are the two first two factors I always look at. What's your human capital? And what's going to make you sleep at night? Okay, those are the first two big factors. Okay, now, how you invest the emergency fund also factors in to how much you need to have. Okay, that, that's a big deal. How you invest in a lot of people are like, well, what do you mean? Like, um, like I, I should be investing? I, I thought it was supposed to be in cash. Where there's different things you can do. Because remember, I told you earlier, you have to look at this from your portfolio, a holistic point of view. Okay. And so I'll give you an example of why this so is so important, okay? Let's just say that you decide to have a six-month emergency fund. Now, I know the probability of you actually needing more than two months of that at one time is extremely, extremely low, okay? So therefore, the way you can look at this is that people have dead money. So what should you be doing with that money instead. And this is the simplest way you can do this investment. Okay, let's just say again, back to that example, six months. You basically put two months in like checking your savings. Um, personally, I use like a local credit union or a bank. So that way I could like walk down to the bank and grab money anytime I want to. Okay, so like that's the first two months. Then the other four months, what you do is you do something like a long-term CD because it's earning higher interest. 
Um, or you go on and do like an online savings account that's paying like three or 4% right now. And that's what I was saying. That's the part of your investment portfolio. Like those four months might be earning three or 4%. And so when we talk about money management, that's what I'm focusing on. Like when you, when you talk about money management, okay, and portfolio allocation, this most simple way to look at things are aggressive investments, which are typically like stocks and, and equities and conservative investments, which are like bonds. And so your traditional financial planner, that's all they look at, their investment managers. And this is one of their biggest flaws in that. Well, that cash that you have also plays a role in that. So if you get three or 4% on that, that money, then that's part of your overall portfolio. And so if you have that, but you're ignoring it, then your actual allocations of your portfolio are wrong. You should actually have the ability to take more risk because you have stuff that's in cash. I'm not gonna get too technical. It has a lower standard deviation than like bond investments. And so it you can afford to be more aggressive in like your Roth hours and your 401ks if that's the case. That's why this stuff is so important. So again, I'm gonna reiterate. One of the easiest things you can do is say, hey, like I got a six month emergency fund, put two months into like checking and savings and then the other four months do like a high yield savings account or something like that, or like CDs. Now, if you're gonna use CDs, one of the things you can look into, and I'll put a link into this for a reference uh, for you guys, is like a CD ladder where you got four months of long-term expenses saved up. So maybe you have eight grand. So you take two grand of it and you do like a one-year CD, two grand, do a two-year, three grand, so on and so forth. Or you just go all five years, like a five-year CD because they pay the most. You can break them anytime you want to. And like on a five-year CD, most of the time, if you hold it for more than a year, you're actually still going to make more than if you did like the one-year CD, okay? Even if you have to pay a penalty to break it. So that's why traditionally, if I do this, I use a five-year CD and those are paying like 4% right now, 4.5%. So why not use that? Now, I brought up financial planners. Why don't they talk about this stuff more often? Okay, and this is one of the biggest reasons why I'm so excited about rolling this stuff out with our financial planning technology. The reason why financial planners and investment advisors don't talk about these types of things of saying, hey, do this high yield savings account, do these structured CDs. And instead they say, no, put it in bonds because they don't get paid. Like when you have those cash accounts, like structured CDs or laddered CDs, I should say, money market accounts, they can't charge, they don't charge you fees on that. They charge management fees on the other stuff. So that's why they push you so much into that. But when you're looking at this emergency fund and doing this correctly, you don't need to necessarily be using those bond funds to do that. Okay. So that's why I, when I, when I say look at your emergency fund as an investment, that stuff all plays a role because if you have those, that liquid amount, then you can invest more aggressively. But I hear some people saying like, well, I have bonds and that's the conservative part of my, my, poor, my, uh, my emergency fund. No, it's not because bonds go up and down in value. Therefore, you would need more cash. But if you do this right, you probably need less cash in the bank on that one or two months than what you currently have. You don't need the six months at that point. Okay, if you do that part right. All right, so again, that's how you would invest it smartly is making sure that you have some type of high yield account or some CD ladder or something like that 
that if you need to get to the money, you can get to all your principal back without losing it. Okay. Now, the other factor, and I get this question used or asked of me a lot, is can I use a Roth IRA to invest? The answer is yes. Okay. But just like I talked about, you got to do it a certain way. Now, a lot of people get confused on this because they say, well, if I'm using a Roth IRA and I take the money out, I get penalized. That's partly true. Okay. On a Roth IRA, you can always take out what you put in and not pay penalties. So let's just say over the years, I contribute $20,000 into a Roth IRA. Um, and now that Roth IRA is growing to $30,000. I can take out $20,000 whenever I want to. Okay. So the mistake that I have people make is they say, well, I only need two, two months in an emergency fund or three months in an emergency fund because I got my Roth IRA and I can just take the money out of it whenever I want to. But it's like, that's partially true. But if you're in stocks and the stock market goes down and you need that money, uh-oh, right? So that conservative part that I told you about where you do like a CD ladder or something like that, you can do that within a Roth IRA also. And then that interest grows tax-free. And that's also why you have to look at this from a portfolio standpoint. Because you might turn around and say like, look, I'm only going to have two months of, of cash in the bank. And then if I need the other four months, I'm going to put that in my Roth IRA, but I'm going to use those four months very conservatively. And that's going to be the conservative part of my investments and other things in my 401k or the rest of my Roth IRA, those will be invested more aggressively. And you look at it as a portfolio. Okay. Again, this is why I'm so excited about like our hybrid robo uh, investment advisor. It looks at all that stuff. Okay. Like the cash portion and all that stuff and tells you, yes, you have the ability to take more risk or not. Okay. Um, and I'll give you an example of why this is so important. Okay. Like I, I get this from new grads a lot. They're like, well, I have $3,000 in an emergency fund and $2,000 in, in, in a Roth IRA. And I can just take that $2,000 out if I really need it. Well, they have that money invested in the stock market. Right. And so like, let's just say last year happens, it goes from $2,000 down to $1,300 or if they're in like the NASDAQ because their target date fund says they invest aggressively. So their account goes down 50%. That $2,000 just goes down to $1,000. That's not smart. So yes, you can use your Roth IRA, but like if you're starting, just starting out, it needs to be more conservative. And if you have a lot of money in your Roth IRA already, you can afford to be a little bit more aggressive, but some of it should still be conservative just if you're using it for the emergency fund, basically is what that means, okay? Um, then one of the other questions I get too is, you know, well, should I have a, a small uh, emergency fund because I have debt and I need to pay off my debt faster? Absolutely not. Like the emergency fund's always first before you start paying off your debt aggressively. Why do I say that? The reason why I say that is because most people that I've seen that say, well, I'm going to have a small emergency fund and pay off like my student loans fast or my mortgage fast or whatever that may be. They actually end up in more debt. And the reason being is because they are starting to pay, they have like a thousand dollar emergency fund and they start paying off their debt very aggressively. And then they have another emergency and they end up in more debt. Okay. That's what you don't want to do. Now, the one exception to that, that I, I can make is like credit card debt. Okay, because credit card debt is so expensive. However, what I would encourage you to do in that situation is do a 0% balance transfer first 
get your emergency fund. Once the emergency fund is set up, then go back to paying off your credit cards. That's the smarter way, in my opinion, of doing that because it helps you reduce the risk to your overall financial plan a lot more efficiently. Okay. So to conclude this podcast and the video, the number, like the top two things that really go into what's the size of your emergency fund, your human capital, basically what's the risk to your income. And the second one is what makes you feel comfortable at night, right? Like what like, you know, reduces that stress. But if you want to get more involved in it, then it's like, okay, well, how do I have that money sitting there? Like if I just have money sitting in the bank earning a quarter percent, I don't necessarily need six months. Maybe I need four months. It's not doing anything for me. I need to put money somewhere. Like if you actually have it invested correctly, then that reduces the amount of cash you need in the bank because you have access to that money somewhere else and you've strategically done it in a way where if for whatever reason you you know have to have more than two months of expenses, you have it. It's there. Okay, for you to liquidate, maybe out of a Roth IRA, out of a CD, whatever it may be, but you've done it smartly. So when I say reduce your emergency fund, it's not necessarily reduce from like six months to three months. It's reducing how much cash you need in the bank. Because if you have it somewhere else, that means that it could be working more efficiently for you. Okay, so that is the the podcast for today. Again, if you guys need help on that, fitbucks.com, build out your profile, use our financial planning technology, schedule a call with your coach. We'll walk you through how much you would need in an emergency fund and why. So we have that technology based on you. We look at your human capital, all that type of stuff. So make sure you sign up for that. I'll put some links for all that stuff in the description. You got any questions, let us know. Subscribe, hit the button, notify. That way you're uh, notified when new podcasts and new uh, YouTube videos come out. See you guys again soon.